Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to invite you to join us at our next workshop coming up August 10th through the 12th in Florida, just outside the most magical place on earth, Orlando. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY. That's 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and we actually have on the line with us a, uh, a friend of ours, Lynn Cherry, from the Austin area. So, Lynn, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, and Lynn is actually, she was on with us before when she had written her book, Keep Walking, and which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit as we get into the, the program, but we're so glad to have her back. Uh, just really neat ministry that she's got to women and just uh, amazing things that, is, that have happened in her um, her marriage and her life. And so, uh, Lynn, what I would love for you to do is just be able to kind of uh, maybe catch up some of our regular listeners who maybe were with us a year and a half, two years ago when you had been on before, just a little bit of your story. And then um, I would love for us, you brought this idea of, of talking about forgiveness and how yeah. just critical that is for a woman who's dealing with betrayal. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll dive into the topic of forgiveness. Sure. So um, I, my husband and I got married in 1991, and I remember having a little bit of a, an impression that something wasn't quite right. And over the course of many years, with a lot of denial, honestly, on my part, just choosing to sweep things under the rug and not pay attention, um, it eventually came to light that he was struggling with uh, pornography. And that was really hard to own that reality. For me, it was very painful. Um, I felt confused and, and of, you know, for a while really took the blame, just thought it's my fault and um, surely something's wrong with me. And uh, it was a struggle for many years. We ended up starting to get help in about 2004 and went to therapy, um, both of us working on our own healing journeys and I had the, the honor of watching my husband work through that and, and slay that giant and, uh, and, and find freedom and healing. And, you know, just freedom is not the absence of temptation. Mm -hmm. Freedom is knowing what to do when temptation comes. And I, I got to see my husband walk that journey. And, and also through that, had my own recovery journey 
of just dealing with the pain and the trauma and the brokenness and uh, all that comes along with that for a spouse. But uh, Jesus restored my soul, healed my heart, and we are, we'll celebrate our 27th, oh my gosh, that's crazy, <laughs> yeah. 27th wedding anniversary this summer, so in July. That's awesome. Is- Congratulations. Great. That yeah. is great. Well, you know, um, it's interesting because there's so much to unpack there. It's it's amazing how in, you know, 90 seconds we can summarize, you know, 20 years or more of life, right? And sometimes I think about that, you know, when you were sharing that, I thought about how sometimes we read in the scriptures these beginnings to certain chapters where it says, you know, and two years later, and then it just goes on, and there's like these three little words that encapsulate like over 700 days of a person's life. And it might have been in prison, or it might have been in some kind of really stressful, suffering situation. So why don't you unpack for us what that pain looked like at the beginning as it related to the things you might have understood at that point about forgiveness, and then maybe some of the things you've learned along the way about forgiveness. Because I think sometimes that shifts when we go through betrayal, when we go through that kind of pain. Yeah, I think anytime there's an intimate injury in our lives and we're faced with this this knowing as a believer, we have this knowing, like, I've got to forgive this person. Jesus asked me to forgive them. And um, even, you know, I think in church culture, we're really quick to tell people, well, you know you have to forgive. And so I, I definitely, there, that was a big gulp. And I wrote about it in my book. And and the title of that chapter is, You Want Me to What? Right. Because that's how I felt. Like It, it felt like forgiveness was so risky. that, And there were some misconceptions, I think, which I think overall we have a lot of misconceptions of what forgiveness is. Um, we think forgiveness is saying we're okay with what happened. And, but I, and I know I, I knew I wasn't okay. We think forgiveness is uh, reconciliation. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily the same thing. I think it is an important step toward reconciliation. But forgiveness doesn't mean you're ready to trust your heart again. And uh, it's it was, I know I told my story so quickly, but there was a lot of detail in there. <laughs> so what if you were to say, what if you were try, to try to give a definition of forgiveness that you might have had prior to going through this pain and how you might define forgiveness today? And would you say there's a difference in how you would define it? Yes, absolutely. I think um, originally I thought forgiveness means everything goes back to the way it was. Mm. And we're all just hitting a reset button, like just, Yeah. 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 And now there's a definition of forgiveness I really love. It's letting go of having a better past. Hmm. And, and I love um, just the, that phrasing that really forgiveness is not less about what happened in the past, and it's more about you choosing to move forward with your life. Well, what I like about that is so, sometimes um, we, we, like you said, sometimes we rush to think forgiveness is exclusively and only about reconciliation of, of the relationship. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say, it's a choice of the person who's been betrayed in how they will, an act of the will in how they will respond to what they will do moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in some ways, um, 
my wife likes to describe it this way, that forgiveness is not just a one-time, like a one-time event. It's an act of the will to choose over and over and over again to then not hold against me the things that I did to her in the past. Now, I don't think a person, I don't think any person can get to that understanding of forgiveness instantly. So take us through the process that you had to go, kind of the stages, maybe we could put it that way, sort of the stages of forgiveness and how would you communicate that maybe to another wife out there or even not a wife, just a woman who's dealing with betrayal in her life? Right. I I think one of the first steps is, is Lord, would you make me willing to forgive? Mm. It's just that willingness. Like, can I, can I be willing to choose at some point to let go and move forward from this pain? I I also um, learned some really interesting things from a uh, pastor up on the West Coast about forgiveness and looking at it in two different dimensions, that there is relational forgiveness and relational forgiveness is what leads to restoration and reconciliation and and that involves two important things one is confession and one is repentance you know we hear that we need to forgive as jesus forgives us but the way jesus forgives us is that we repent and we turn from our behavior and that we also make a confession of our sin. And so for there to be relational forgiveness that moves us towards reconciliation, those are important things that need to happen. And you know, I got to experience that with my husband where he he owned the pain that was caused me. Mm-hmm. And I remember him writing me letters like I am so sorry you're having to walk through this and I know it's my fault. Mm. So there was a confession of um the pain that his his sin and his issue had caused in my life. And then I watched him turn. I watched him put safeguards in place and put, you know, establish boundaries and make decisions that were, were different than decisions that would have been made in the past, mm-hmm. which was a sign of repentance. So those were the things that allowed our relationship to move toward restoration. But then, you know, we don't always get to see that. Right. And we're dealing with another person and we're walking through pain with another person. So I think God graciously offers us this other path towards forgiveness called personal forgiveness, where we make a choice to release that, which is actually, that's the Greek word for forgiveness. The definition is to release. Mm -hmm. So we make a decision to release that, to, to really give it to God. Like to, there's a debt that's owed us. There's an injury that happened. There's pain in our lives, but we're not expecting that person to make it better. We're really trusting that God is going to bring healing and restoration to our heart. And I, I love that distinction. And I think in that right now, you have actually just uh, enlightened some, some wives out there, some women, because I think so many times there there hasn't been the understanding of that distinction maybe between relational forgiveness and personal forgiveness. Mm. And so it's kind of all lumped together. And that's why I think maybe a lot of women are feeling this incredible amount of pressure when yeah. it comes, because they're thinking maybe only in that, maybe they're thinking only in one or the other. But it's like, sure. it's it's it can be confusing, right? Because you're feeling like, I've got all this pressure I know that my wife, when when we were going through our um, mess, she was like she 
all she said I knew all the scriptures all the ones that you yeah. know as Christ is forgiven you must forgive and and there's okay. and and it doesn't change the reality of those truths right but right. maybe maybe what we're talking about here is not not necessarily looking to try to alter the truth but understand maybe better delivery of the mm-hmm. of those truths right how do you manifest that in your in your life versus whether or not it's true. I mean, it is true. We're supposed to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. But right. but what does that look like? Right. And sometimes I think we, there is that pressure to just immediately forgive. And we see people making that choice. You know, like think about those courtroom scenarios where someone has experienced this horrible injury and, and they get up and they say, I forgive you. And we're all just uh, shocked by that and, and amazed by that. But we don't see the journey that they have gone through to get to that place where they could offer that forgiveness. It seems like it's instantaneous. Right. And I think usually it's not. And, and there is a lot of work that needs to happen on our hearts in order for us to be willing to make that choice. And I love what Dr. Milton Magnus says about forgiveness when you're dealing with addiction. He actually says you can forgive an addict too soon. Mm. And that sometimes someone who is entrenched and trapped in those addictive behavior patterns hears, I forgive you. And they think, oh, good, we're done. Like, this is over. Everything's great. And and they can short circuit the work that they need to do to break that pattern. And the best picture that I think we have for that is God in the sense that if you look at the time frame between when when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve and when he delivered the promise of forgiveness through Jesus you're looking at about a 4000 year time period yeah so even That's- god shows us that there is a timing to how the delivery of forgiveness can occur that allows us to maybe unpack all of these things that need to be unpacked along the way Mm-hmm. I have never thought about that. That That is long. <laughs> I'm not saying that, you know, we should wait 4,000 years to forgive somebody. But God does show us even in history that right. from the point of offense to the point of the promise, in terms of for, of the culmination of the manifestation of his mechanism for forgiveness, which is Jesus Christ, there's about 4,000 years in there. So right. Maybe that can take some pressure off of some of these ladies who are feeling like the moment I hear of the betrayal, I must forgive right then. Yeah, and maybe absolutely. there's there's issues that need to go on in both sides. Both parties have things to work through to maybe get to that place. Yeah, yeah. I know. I remember a point, speaking of both issues, let me just, I'll make a confession. <laughs> I remember a point in our recovery when I felt like God was challenging me that I was the one holding back our healing process mm. and that I was holding on to, you know, I, I had felt like a victim for so long and, and sort of took on that mantle of I'm stuck here in this relationship and, and I'm just going to be miserable for the rest of my life. You know, I felt really hopeless and, and lived that way like a victim for many years. But then, you know, I started to move forward, started to get some help and some tools and some counseling. And, and Jesus was working on my husband's heart. He was working on my heart. And we're beginning to move forward. And I remember feeling like I am not a victim. I'm a survivor. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of an edge to that 
for me there was like I, I'm a survivor in, a, in the sense that my husband hurt me and he crushed me and he smashed my soul, but he, but I'm going to make it. And, um, that wasn't the end of me. And so, and I, and I think that's a good shift and it's a healthy shift in a way, but staying in that place really only keeps me connected to my pain. Mm. And I felt like God challenged me that I had to release my right to be angry. Like this is two years down the healing process. You know, this isn't right away. There was a lot of anger and I think that's normal and healthy, but two years down the road, I had to let go of that. Like, I don't need to stay angry. Yeah. And Would you say that that's even maybe a, uh, the the flip side of the coin of what we might call victim thinking? So, you know, sometimes there's a victim thinking that keeps us wallowing in shame or in the, 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 the pain, but then maybe there's another side of victim thinking that goes so, like, survivor mode right. that, that it's almost like the strong side of victim thinking but it's yeah. still keeping you connected to your pain, right? Instead of yeah. actually overcoming and moving forward. Absolutely. I saw myself, I just had this this picture of myself holding onto my survivor trophy and holding onto that thing like um, my wounded soul, of a, like a trophy of everything that I had survived and really holding it over my husband's head mm. with a little bit of self-righteousness and a little bit of snarkiness. And, and God just, dealing with my heart, like you have to let that go so that your relationship can move toward restoration. And that's exactly what you were saying forgiveness is about, right? It's that letting go. And But help help the women out there understand what that looks like in a practical sense regarding letting go, because it can feel very, very scary, right? To have that sense of vulnerability again, to have that, because doesn't it feel safer to have some things that you can cling to, like I need my survivor trophy. I need, yeah. you know, fill in the blank with whatever I need to hang on to. Help a woman understand how do you get to that place where you can kind of hold open-handedly your life again, so it doesn't you're not you're not clinging to these things that they'll even be false substitutes for safety. Sure. Yeah, I do think, and I think it's um, Paula Reinhardt who wrote, "We can wrap our woundedness around us like a blanket." And it does feel like a safe place, like it shelters us, it protects us from future pain. And I think practically the way to to choose vulnerability has to be in, in knowing that God is trustworthy, that um, God will never lie, he will never change his mind, um, he always keeps his promises no matter how costly they are. And so knowing that you can trust God with your life first like to me, that's the first step in in being vulnerable. I I think there are women out there who maybe are living with someone who refuses to deal with their addiction, and for those women, they probably need to choose to protect their soul in that moment or for a season while they're working through the trauma and you know their spouse is working through the addiction. I think some space and um, safety is important. But, you know, I, as we began to move forward together, it's, it's about trust. And don't you think that some of that safety can look like things like counseling personally for her, like being part of a women's group, think where she can 
sort of have nourishment for her soul, have some some safe people um, yeah. that so it doesn't have to look like, oh, okay, here she's got to be sort of isolated and on her own as she's trying to be safe. It's right. like, I think there's still a context of community that's necessary for a woman who's going through this. Yeah. I So with our recovery, we did 24 weeks of couples counseling together. My husband had an accountability group that he met with. I know he met with you, Jonathan, and that, mm-hmm. that was part of his path to freedom. But I also did 24 weeks of support group with just betrayed spouses. And, and that was where I could breathe, you know, where I could just uh, talk about how I was feeling and what was happening and work through the, the trauma and, and the stuff that was happening in my soul because of what we were walking through. And, and that was critical. That was my lifeline, the, the support group with other women. Yeah. So let's think through, I love, again, this difference between relational forgiveness and personal forgiveness. So I think a lot of maybe what we've been talking about here does kind of fit into that relational forgiveness mm-hmm. category. Maybe help a woman out there understand, okay, what does it look like in terms of personal forgiveness? How do you, um, because I feel like some of that, can can some of that also be just connected to your own 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 history of brokenness, of maybe your own history of sin? I mean, how does a woman then begin to unpack some of those kinds of things? Because sometimes that can, I know that for many women out there, when they really start to honestly go down this journey of forgiveness, God has a way of revealing all these things within that woman's heart that on its face can seem very unfair. And, you know, it can feel like, wait a second, it's all about him. He's the one that, you know, let's keep right? our fingers all pointed at this person who betrayed me. And and I think God is gentle in this, but he does start to reveal the brokenness within your own heart, right? And so how do you how do you help a woman navigate through that when she really wants to just keep all fingers pointed at her betrayer? Yeah, well, believe me, I understand that. And uh, I feel that. And I remember just feeling, this, is, this isn't fair. This mm-hmm. is so not fair. Like, I don't deserve this. And, you know, definitely pointed the finger for a long time. But I think looking back at the journey, I do see God's kindness and his gentleness to me in that even through this, the current pain that I was in, he brought me an opportunity to find deeper healing in my soul mm-hmm. that, that I would have never dealt with. You know, I, I tell a story about how we burnt popcorn in the microwave and it was so horrible. Like we took the microwave apart to clean it. And, and that blow up was what caused us to get in there and clean out the stuff that had been in there for years. Yeah. So I think as as hard as it is to swallow that idea. Absolutely. This, um, I look back at that journey of healing and walking through the betrayal in my marriage and think Jesus did so much work and so much healing in my life, even in things that happened in my childhood. So, um, it is, it is an opportunity and it is something that believe it or not, years down the road, you can look back at and say, I am grateful to be who I am today on the other side of that darkness. And and I am in total agreement with you, but I'm also thinking right now of maybe the women who are on the front end of this. 
And so yeah. what words of maybe hope and encouragement and insight could you give them? Like maybe they're within days or weeks of having discovered mm. the betrayal that's been done against them. And they're hearing kind of your sort of rest of the story. They're hearing years yeah. down the road. They're hearing, you know, hope and joy and all these kind of things. And right now they're just in this this incredible tunnel of pain and everything yeah. is like focused on just that exploding microwave. What would yeah. you say to them that might help them take just even one step forward towards mm-hmm. that hope and and the things you're talking about now? Right. I do think at that point the the journey is so daily or even hourly. Mm-hmm. And I think it has to be very small steps like, can I get out of bed today? Um, or... Can I make breakfast for my children today? No, what is one step I can take today that um, helps me move forward from how I felt yesterday? Maybe I'm, I'm getting out of the corner of my closet and actually getting outside and going for a walk. Um, and, and really, I think self-care is, is critical. Just doing, doing something for your own soul that makes you feel like you're not going to die. Yeah. <laughs> And I think like some, the, I think sometimes uh, even just some mental imagery on certain things to be able to, to handle. Because I, I remember one time when my wife and I were separated, that my mom actually and my sister uh, sort of kidnapped my wife for a day to take her out for a day for movies and shopping and just like we're gonna unplug from your chaos for one day. And yeah. so even some things like that can be helpful. It's like, what can you do to, again, care for yourself? You're not ignoring or saying these things aren't realities in my life, but you're also recognizing if I stay 100% locked in focus on all of that mess, I'm gonna, there's going to be more losses in my life in terms right. of my health and just my sanity than if I have some breaks here and there where it's like I just need to take a break from that. Yeah, I think that's important. I think it's important. And, and I do, I tried to offer a lot of practical ideas to just give your mind a break from the work of recovery in my book, because I think it's important for you to just, um, you know, get, get a manicure, um, go for a walk, go see a movie, go um, just enjoy a play, do something that helps you realize this thing that's happening right now is not everything. It's not the definition of everything in your life. And what I'm hearing here is this is this self-care is parallel to then what's going to be necessary when it comes time to really dig into the forgiveness issue. You know, because everything we're mentioning here, like it can feel like, well, that doesn't seem very connected to forgiveness because it's like uh, this is about self-care and doing these things to just keep your sanity. But I think when, as the days and months unfold, you realize it's not disconnected from this issue of forgiveness because I really don't, I really think in order for forgiveness to happen, and I could be wrong here, I think that has to, that has to spill out of a healthy heart. I think it's, you know, if you think about what forgiveness is, it's fully knowing the offenses that have been done against me. And then as an act of my will, choosing not to hold those things against the person who offended me. I don't think that comes from that. That's a, that's a heart that's, gotten to a place of some stability and health. Right. So this self-care stuff is very connected eventually to the issue of being able to forgive, right? Absolutely. I think it's just, uh, 
it's a long process and that is part of the journey, you know, taking care of yourself, healing your soul so that you can begin to trust God again and that you can trust yourself again and that eventually, hopefully, you'll be able to trust your spouse again. Mm-hmm. Well, Lynn, we are, we are actually out of time, but what I want to do in our last minute here is um, you've walked this path. You have uh, you've written a book on this. You've got some resources. You've got even some. There's some events that are coming up. Let our listeners know uh, two things. One, how they can get in touch with you through your website, and secondly, just a little bit about your book and how that might be beneficial maybe to a, a wife who's walking through this right now. Sure. Yeah. So my website's really simple. It's lynnmariecherry.com, and it's cherry just like the fruit. So uh, it's pretty easy to find. There's a contact form on there. I love to hear from women and definitely love to be able to pray and encourage them and and just help them know this isn't the end of you, that there Mm -hmm. is a way through. You know, that is my mantra, that if you'll just put one foot in front of the other, there's a way through whatever you face in life. God doesn't leave us stuck in those Mm -hmm. dark places. And my book is called Keep Walking, 40 Days to Hope and Freedom After Betrayal. It's available on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. And what I love about my book is that it is just a one to two page devotional for 40 days. It's very, if it's hard to read a big 10 pound book when your heart is broken and you can't get out of bed. So my book is just a daily dose of hope with a really practical step for each day for 40 days. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Lynn, for being with us and just for sharing your insights and, and, uh, and just your wisdom on, on the issue of forgiveness. Thank you. Thank you. My privilege. Yeah. And listeners, we're grateful for you and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.